in a world, in a world, in a world, in a world, in a land, in an age, in the future, in every age, in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the trailer park. So grab your shotguns, head on down to the trailer park, grab your PBR. We got some movies to talk about, guys. Are, are you yeah. stoked? Are you pumped? Yeah, they look pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, nice. Jimmer's doing the Kool-Aid Oh, yeah. Man. Macho Man Randy Savage. Time to hulk <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Uh, so, guys, we have the first film to talk about today is one that Jeffrey sent me a couple weeks ago. Uh, along with several others, but we'll we'll talk about this one first because it looks so damn cool. It is a yeah. British production called Howl, H-O-W-L. Uh, and with a name like that, you might think it's about werewolves. And Probably. it's true. Uh, it definitely looks like it's about werewolves. Jeffrey, why don't you uh, give us some lowdown about what this movie looks like? I just ran across it, like you said, and um, it the the screen cap was a, like a lady that was kind of like starting to wolf out, and it just looked really bad. Oh yeah, and, looked pretty freaky. And uh, it's just it just looks like a old fashioned monster movie with new fashion, you know, special effects. Yeah, it it seems like the uh, the British do these things better than us too. And uh, not not to be uh, the the anglophiliac that I, I am, but uh, you know you remember probably about what ten, maybe even fifteen years ago there was a movie that came out called Dog Soldiers. Oh yeah, which is you know one of those hidden gems, uh, classics of the horror genre, where are these Scot they're in Scotland and this army unit is basically uh, cornered into a house. Uh, while these werewolves ravage the uh, this unit while they're on a training mission or whatever, and well, I'm not going to give anything away, but it has a good, nice little ending and uh, a cool ass movie. And even though it was a horror movie, they managed to add a lot of humor. Oh yeah, it was just British very very humor. well done. So when I watched this Howl trailer, it brought to mind, of course, Dog Soldiers because that was, I don't know. How many really good werewolf movies are there out there? Uh, I do love Silver Bullet from mm-hmm. from back in the day. Uh, you know the American Stephen werewolf King, in London. yeah, Corey, Corey Haim, and uh, oh, American Werewolf in London. That's true. John Lannis' uh, movie that was pretty good. I even have yep. some, uh, even have some love for American Werewolf in Paris too. That might be just because yeah, I'm in love. with I thought it was okay movie, though. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah. Uh, it's not like the vampire genre though. Like, well, the vampire thing is so overdone that you're mostly miss, but you got some pretty solid hits. Whereas the werewolf thing has just been sort of neglected over the years. And the like dog soldier, silver bullet, American werewolf. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean like there's those movies called the howling. At first I thought that was just, this was going to be like a remake of that. When I saw the name of the movie, but it's definitely not a remake of The Howling, 
which should probably be no. a straight-to-video piece of shit anyway. Uh, no, but that, anyway, this one's about... Uh, looks like a group of travelers on a train, which is one of the main methods of moving people in England, that are... I, it doesn't really give you an indication of how long this trip is, but it's probably a longer train trip. The train stops in the middle of a forest where these tracks run uh, because of some sort of mechanical issue, you think... And that's when the shit starts to hit the fan. Of course, they decide to let's just walk. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it didn't doesn't seem from the trailer that the train's going to protect them very well either. No, that's, that's true. That's just me. Anyway, all right. So, uh, anything else we want to say about this movie? Howl, Jimmers, got any insight? Yeah, it just occurred to me how poorly this movie would work if these people were supposed to be American. <laughs> because not only oh, yeah. like do we not use trains for the most part by and large, but yeah. like could you imagine some like New Jersey city you know like ticket taker like on on a train and and he's like going around like yo ticket please yeah it's right over there and they're all like this and then like the train stops in the middle of nowhere and somebody's like yo is the train broken down or not and he's and the ticket taker's <laughs> like yo it's an Amtrak of course it's broke down <laughs> and everybody on the train would just be like yeah. Like, they'd be, like, used to it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool, because, like, there's this British tradition of um, uh, lodgers in in British-lit horror. Y- you know yeah. what I mean? Like, people coming into your house and staying with you. You know, like, like the greatest horror is the, the person who's already inside of your own home where you're supposed to be safe. So it oh, seems like it's kind of playing like dog off soldiers. that. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I haven't seen mm-hmm. Dog Soldiers. But, you know, like, it's like the train is kind of like the same thing. And you're passing, not only, like, are you encapsulated with all these other people, and there's, like, this weird claustrophobia, like, you're stuck with these strangers, but, like, you're passing through all these strange places as well, and the only thing that makes you feel like you have, like, a real shield against them is the speed at which you're traveling. So, like, as soon as the train stops, it becomes worse than anything else in the world, because now you're trapped with all these strangers, some of whom maybe are werewolves, I guess it was kind of implied, maybe the conductor was a werewolf or something. Um... But yeah, I mean, like, it just feels like, like, very Brit. Like, it only works because it's British. Because, yeah. um, like, the British people are really into their trains. You know, they've got Thomas the Tank Engine and Chuggington. That's true. Chuggington's just an American port. You know, if you ever see the original one on YouTube, it's all British yeah. people. And, um, you know, it's supposed to be like the train is, like, this unstoppable mass. So this is supposed to represent English colonialism. And then it comes to a, a halt, and now they have to worry about the allies transforming into the creatures of prey. So it's supposed to be the Americans transforming into the werewolves. You know, it's supposed to be the thing that's, you know, terrifying them. And the train is Great Britain itself or so far. You know, this is just one Whoa. interesting theory. Whoa, way to think stuff, man. You might be reading a that's good. much into it. <laughs> yeah. You might, no, I don't but think so. that, that's pretty Maybe. solid. Yeah, no, I, I got, like, like, it felt very British to me. Um, but I, I really do. I imagine a bunch of producers sitting around thinking like, all right, we got to come up with a movie that's going to make money. So naturally it has to be about something supernatural vampires. Nope. Scrape the bottom of the barrel. Um, what else can we do? All right. We're going to have to go to werewolves. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I worry about that also that this is just because the, the werewolves haven't completely played themselves out yet. The way Uh, that, uh, vampires and zombie movies. Well, once they sparkle in the sunlight, we'll know we've done fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) I like the look of the werewolves in this. 
Oh, they look pretty creepy. And I, oh, like well, a- I don't, I'm hoping they don't reveal too much, honestly. Uh, I think the scarier monsters are the ones you can, you cannot see or just barely see. And they showed yeah. just the right amount in that trailer to freak me out. But mm-hmm. uh, if they were to not show anything else, I'd be quite yeah. right with that. It looks like a painfully distorted human. Yeah, I, it, it reminded me of uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban. You guys have seen this, you know? What I'm yeah, talking about? yeah. Like the train oh, yeah, yeah. whistle at the end, and it, they're inside the train car. It's like the beginning with the Dementor coming to the train car. That's what it seemed like. Like somebody was like, "Hey, here's this scene. Make a movie out of it and make the Dementor a werewolf." That's true. I mean, shit. One of the one of those guys is already a werewolf. But anyway, I got. It. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, you're right. So, gentlemen, the next movie we are going to talk about is a little film called American Ultra. Now, I have to admit something with this one. Uh, I am not a big Jesse Eisenberg fan. Uh, I think a lot of people are not very big Kristen Stewart fans. But I was looking at this one, and, oh, man, the... uh, the overall vibe I get from Jesse Eisenberg is he's just like the slightly edgier, less Jewy version of Michael Sarah, who is like forever cast in these pubescent roles. So I feel like this is going to be the exact same yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I, I looked at this too, and I, I, my first thought was like, was Michael Sarah not available for this? Because I feel like you could have totally just dropped him in. I mean, it looks like Scott Pilgrim versus the world to me. There's a certain kind of aesthetic that looks like that. <laughs> Well, I but just want to say good, that, the, yeah, the title alone, I, I thought this was like a Stephen Colbert thing, American Ultra. <laughs> like, it just sounds great. Yeah. The movie, actually, I, like I said, I was apprehensive to even watch this trailer when it came up on IMDb, and uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I actually thought it was a bit of a throwback to like a 1980s movie. And Kristen Stewart always looks like she's smelling something bad. That kind of look on her face, like, ew, what's that smell? Yeah. But yeah, it reminded me of a 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely ha- has that kind of thing going for it. But uh, it, it actually looks pretty funny. And, and uh, you know, action-oriented films are... <sighs> like like we, I think Jimmer said in the last podcast, is, you know, you either expect drama with your action or comedy with your action and i think this is definitely one of those comedy action type movies but you know what those are usually pretty decent at least at least fun yeah fun yeah i i got the same vibe watching this like i i was surprised that the person i was looking at wasn't michael (laughs) Sarah somehow if that makes any sense was is it just me or did it seem like his reactivation was messed up by the copious amounts of weed and mushrooms he'd been doing. Uh, that that was an entertaining part where he didn't want to call the cops. Because like, that'd be the one thing, like, why wouldn't you call the cops? Oh, yeah, you probably wouldn't want to call the cops for that. <laughs> you know, at least until you've gotten rid of your stash. Yeah, I thought just the name alone, as soon as I saw American Ultra, I I was like, all right, this sounds like it's going to be good. Because, like, how seriously can it take itself? Like, it sounds like uh, the name of a Stephen Colbert book or something. Yeah, I, I I mean, I thought it was cool. Like, I was watching, like, the first, you know, like, 30 seconds of the thing, and it looked just like Clerks. And I was like, is this the action version of Clerks? Uh? Yeah. No, but I mean, like, the original Clerks, like, Kevin Smith talked about it. It was supposed to be, like, 
Everybody mm-hmm. has these grand dreams for their life, but you go off, you go to college and stuff, and then you end up in just like this plebeian tedium, and you, you end up just yeah. being reified and turned into a minimum wage commodity. And it seems like, like Clerks is about like reconciling yourself with that and trying to find some form of eminence in life. And this seems like true. literally true. like someone just shows up and makes you a super assassin. Like they activate you. And all of a sudden, you're out there fighting other CIA assets, and you turn into Jason Bourne overnight. Yeah. Like, it seems cool. Like, it's got that kind of, like, fantasy aspect to it, that your boring life is just an illusion, and it's, you know, going to, to become exciting all of a sudden. Maybe we need that societally. Okay, guys, anything else we want to say about American Ultra, other than it looks like it might be a fun time? It, it looks really fun. I will, I will admit that. <laughs> okay. And before I move on to the third film in the trailer park, there was something I wanted to address regarding a movie coming out very soon. And let me tell you, I am heartbroken. Uh Uh-oh. Have you seen some of these advanced reviews for Terminator Genesis? No. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, they're... Basically, they're they're saying that Terminator, Terminator Salvation looks like Shakespeare in comparison. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I saw... I I was Googling it, and it had a Metacritic rating of 17%, I think. Or Rotten Tomatoes, 70%. Terminator Salvation was just sort of blah for me. It was just kind of right there in the middle where I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't like it. It was just like, eh. I, I didn't think terminator salvation was that bad like it was very easy for me to just write it off because it didn't feel like yeah. the rest of the franchise yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of the same thing over and over again you know like it wasn't present day and it had christian bale well this one's definitely not gonna be disassociated man this is this one's yeah but re- i mean like, i, I looked history. at it like sort of um like you ever see like the original series uh you know star trek the original series like it has like the cartoon version you know, like, you just, like, watch it, and it's like, like, I know it's not serious, like, I'm just sitting here, you know, watching this and eating my popcorn on the couch, you know what I mean? Like, that's how I felt. It felt, felt like, so disassociated from everything else. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, because Schwarzenegger was talking about the only reason he signed on is because the script was so incredible, it wiped out everything that happened in Terminator 3, everything that happened in Salvation, and this was bringing Terminator back to its roots. Like, like he was too much of a Terminator connoisseur to sign on to any lesser movie than this incredible script. It, like, they had resurrected Shakespeare and Mark Certainly Twain, right? makes you wonder what he did in his his terms as governor of California, Or it could be just the critics mm-hmm. being like, dicks. They they do that. Remember, they hated Bill and Ted's. Critics, critics can be dicks, Jeffrey, but this, by all, I mean, apparently what we saw, I remember when we were talking about this way back when, in one of our first podcasts about how like, Oh, did you see the new trailer where John Connor is a bad guy? And we're, we kept saying how like, Oh, I hope that's not the big twist. I hope there's like something that's going to like, you know, offset that right the wrong. But no, apparently that really is the big twist given away in in the trailer. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I saw the honest trailer for Terminator two earlier this week, and I don't think I'd ever seen it before. You know, I'm talking about on YouTube. They have the trailers Mm -hmm. and like make fun of the movie. And they were talking about how, like, the first 30 minutes of Terminator 2 is a cat and mouse game that'll have you guessing who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, if it hadn't already been revealed in the trailer. And then it cuts to the trailer, and it shows, like, Schwarzenegger, and it's like, Schwarzenegger is back as the good guy. 
and uh, and then, (laughs) but it's like it's the exact same mistake. You know what I mean? And then again, well, I mean, like with Terminator Two, how do you avoid it? Because Schwarzenegger's a good guy for eighty percent of the movie. Like he's established as a good guy. Like for this, like why would they throw that in there? But then you know what's more interesting? I've heard. I was reading some early review of it, and they were saying that that big twist isn't that big of a deal. So it's like, I think the the thing is, it's going to turn out like John Connor has been transformed in some kind of advanced Terminator. He looks kind of like a T-1000. And then it's going to be revealed that like he's still John Connor and a good guy, and it didn't really matter at all. I think that's what that's what they were hinting. And that that might actually be cool, but the feedback coming back is not positive. Or it could yeah. be it's not it's not yeah. a, it's about the journey, not the destination. Well, I mean, just, just read some of these reviews, and they eviscerate this movie. Uh, oh man, it's just completely disheartening. For oh, me speaking of as a fan of that franchise, maybe they didn't see it in three D. <laughs> I bet that was a difference. What the fuck? Uh, speaking of other movie well, news, uh, James Horner died. Oh, R.I.P. James yes, Horner, definitely. who uh, did make our top ten uh, movie soundtracks. A couple of them didn't. Like I know you, you guys had said a couple of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I know Jimmer said Titanic, Titanic and yeah. Braveheart, and uh, a number of other ones that he had done as well. But and that was odd too. He was in a he was in a plane crash. He wasn't even that old. He was like what, sixty or something like that, sixty-two. Yeah, a lot of yeah. these stars fairly, fairly die guy. in little planes. Except if you're Harrison yeah, Ford, you can just keep on crashing. Now, if you're Harrison Ford, you land that motherfucking plane on a golf course <laughs> and walk away. Any landing you can walk away from. I think we have to start wondering if Harrison Ford is the real, the real deal. <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna go to the, the third film of the trailer park. Let's let's do it. Okay, the third movie is Regression. Now, for those of you listening, you've probably not heard of this movie yet. It's not coming out for a little bit, but it does star, uh, for those of you who are fans of her work and whatnot, a one Emma Watson. And what That's uh, Hermione Granger herself. <laughs> Say what? And whatnot. She grew up nice. And whatnot. Yeah, she, she's a pretty girl. And then we have, of course, Ethan Hawke as some other guy that we... The, the trail... That's the thing. This I didn't actually know this was Alejandro Amanabar movie until towards the end of the trailer. So I didn't really know anything about it. But he's one of my f- favorite filmmakers anyway. You know that. And going... And going into it, I was like, oh, this movie looks so... You know, it looks like a thriller. It looks like I don't know what's going to go on. Might be a little trippy, and I didn't really get a great sense of what this movie is about. But no. you know what? I'm okay with that. Uh, it has, I mean, you don't want things to be given away, and it looks like a movie where there's going to be lots of things to give away. Yeah. I, I thought this was like a poorly constructed trailer. We were talking about making fun of Terminator Genesis' trailer. Because, yeah. like, number one, it's supposed to be starring Emma Watson... But she's in a grand total of like seven seconds of the two and a half minute trailer. So it makes me yeah. wonder how much she's actually in the movie. And then... Uh, a, a certain amount, right. Yeah, But then, like, I don't understand. Like, it's supposed to be like there's some kind of crime going on and it's sort of like his flashback. Which it kind of reminds... If you guys watch True Detective on HBO, 
No. Or it seems uh, like, like there's... season, yes. Second season, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, the second season just started. Um, but it's like, we have like this subgenre of crime film where it's always like a flashback to the not-so-distant past. I don't know what that yeah. is psychologically. You know what I mean? Like, like Fargo is like that. Like, here's a, this is something that happened like 15, 20 years ago. Um, I think Red Dragon was set up like that. Have you ever seen Capote? It's set up like that. Yeah. He's, he's, it's supposed to be a flashback and all this stuff. Um, but, like, I don't know what this film was about. It was, like, Ethan Hawke shouting, like, like this is way bigger than all of us. <laughs> and then it cuts to somebody else shouting, like, you don't know how big this is. And I'm like, it's really big. It's super the- big. Yeah, I'm like, stop telling me how big <laughs> this away. is. Like, tell me what the movie's about. Put it away. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to look at that. <laughs> we, we don't want to look at that. We, yeah, we saw it coming. <sighs> but, like, I, I don't know what this... Like, he's in- investigating something that involves Emma Watson, and I don't know... There, there's, like, a quick flash in it. And there, I saw two different trailers for this, where it looks like um, Eyes Wide Shut. I was like thinking the, the kinky rape cult. Orgy scene. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so Is it, she, like, an amnesiac in this movie? Well, I mean, it's regression. It's supposed to be, like, he's trying to get her to bring back all the memories and stuff of this crime. Which is really He's just weird. A, dete- a detective. He ain't regressing nobody. Well, they bring in a yeah, re- re- psychologist or something, don't they? Yeah. Well, well I, I, I mean, it's like a hypnotist or something. But this was a big thing in the 90s about repressed memories and stuff. And there was some lady, I can't remember, she came on to Oprah and she was talking about how her father had molested her and um, how, how she had suppressed the memories and all this stuff. And then she came out like five years later and was like, yeah, I had a really bad psychologist. I made all that up. My apologies to my father. I'm never going to talk about this again. Oh, and like everybody yeah, kind of yeah. like realized. What? Yeah. Some, you know what I'm talking about? Some famous rock star daughter. Can I, right? this? I don't. I, I want to say it was somebody in Wilson Phillips, but I. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The daughter was, was one of those girls. I, I did not. I did not realize that was the. Uh, oh, I thought I hadn't heard that was a uh, fault. Yeah, but, but I, I remember I remember hearing about the initial accusations. Right, but I mean that was a huge thing. Like I remember watching like crime shows in the '90s. Like there was an episode of Homicide: Life on the Street, where it's like I, I can't remember what happened on the night of the murder, and they brought a hypnotist in and they hypnotized. Oh, I can remember the license plate now. I can remember what the killer. And it's like all of that has basically been proven as junk science. Yeah. So I'm curious where it's going right. to go. I mean, like clearly it's psychological. The weird stuff at the end about like. This can't be real. Of course, it's not real. You know, I was beginning. I'm, I'm to know, th- like, all right, maybe I'll give this a benefit of the doubt. I was beginning to think uh, Ethan Hawke towards the end was either part of the cult or maybe had been raped by the cult. If it's you know, one of those type of cults, right? That's I, yeah. I thought it was going to be like a Shutter Island thing. Like he's going to wake up and, and realize like he's the victim or something. And that <laughs> oh she had God. to exist. Like Emma Watson existed only as an avatar for him to explore the crime. She's itself, just Tyler getting, Durden. Right. Yes. Yeah. Basically, because she's yeah, she would be living out. Yeah, she's living out the life that he can't because he's like it has to be like an infinite regression because he can. Oh my only... god! What what if you just called it, Jimmers? What if you just called this shit? Um, we're gonna, we're gonna have to revisit hey. this when we when we actually watch the movie. Yeah. Well, like whenever I watch, I watch a lot of these trailers, and I'll think like this movie would be really good if X Y Z happens at the end, but it's probably not. You know. Yeah. And I feel like with this one, I'm right. like, it's going to be like innocent. But I feel like it's too obvious from the trailer because it has a line in there about how it's not real. 
like it already seems solipsistic yeah. it, it seems like it's very aware of that it's a psychological thriller and all this going back to terminator 2 we need we need a trailer that's somewhere between the terminator 2 trailer and this trailer with a little more explanation unless it unless that would absolutely ruin everything yeah. I think I think we'll get more. This is still pretty advanced. But anyway, what I was going to say is that I have complete faith in the filmmaker. Obviously, I I don't think the dude puts out a bad movie. And number two, uh, if you really notice, Ethan Hawke is very particular about his projects, and uh, he's probably he's one of the more choosy actors out there in what he decides to do, and even like sort of the under-the-radar, like, culty type stuff, like Daybreakers, I loved. That was a good yeah. movie. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, Boyhood and the the Before sunset, sunset, Sunrise, Midnight trilogy with uh, Richard Linklater. I mean, the dude does, does good movies, and I don't think he would have signed on to this one. Oh, and the, the best movie I've watched, one of the best movies I've watched in the last year was with him in it. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Called Predestination. It's on my list. Actually, it's on your list. No, yeah. Well, it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those movies that definitely fucks with your mind. But also, the I mean, it could have very easily gone on my uh, twist ending movie list for List Man last time. But uh, I'm waiting on that one because I, I still need to watch it again and digest a little bit more of it. Anyway. Okay, guys. Anything else you want to say about this one? Um, no. Not enough detail to really be able to say more. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up, guys. That's the end of the trailer park. Yeah. We're out of here. Bye. All right, bye. This is Detective Bruce Kenner. It is October the 14th, 1990. It's incredibly important that you tell us everything. They'll kill me. An FBI report. This could be huge, Bruce. I just get the feeling with this case that it's a part of something bigger. Hello. I'm trying to find the truth. And now it's time for my science, history, and technology segment I call Cool Shit. This time, I'll tell you how to use others' narrow visions for broad application. You see, scientists are busy and competitive, and therefore don't communicate nearly enough with each other. That's where science nerds, like myself, come into play. We're not really qualified to do the research, but we can be smart enough to bridge and combine technologies together to accomplish tasks that neither, on their own, would be capable of. Now, I've had this idea that's been rolling around in my head for about a week, and it's a way that bolsters my biochar idea. If you haven't listened to my biochar piece from Sovcast for 5-22-2015, go to iTunes and search for Sovcast, then look for my Super Gorilla logo. If you don't like iTunes, go to sovcast.tumblr.com, facebook.com slash sovcast, 
or finally twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. There. Now that you're all caught up, let's continue. The first technology I want to talk about are ocean buoys that are used to generate electricity. There are many different types, and due to their efficiency and lack of conflict minerals, I think they'll play a big role in powering coastal areas around the world. There's one, though, that I particularly have in mind. It's called a CETO, or SETO, wave power. The SETO wave device consists of a single piston pump attached to the seafloor with a buoy tethered to the piston. Waves cause the float to rise and fall, generating pressurized water, which is piped to an onshore facility to drive hydraulic generators or run reverse osmosis water desalination. So in other words, the SETO wave power device can generate power and filter salt water into fresh water. I've thought of a better use for you. I want to pump water from the ocean to arid regions around the world. For long-distance or elevated pumping, we may need to include additional pumps powered by wind turbines, or as long as we're in the desert, where the sun shines hot and bright, let's use parabolic solar troughs. Parabolic solar troughs are another green technology that doesn't use conflict minerals. Basically, it's made up of curved mirrors that focus the sun's rays onto a pipe that contains oil. The oil is then circulated through the pipe and through a container holding salt. The oil in the pipe gets so hot it melts the salt. With this molten salt, water is turned into steam, and that steam powers a turbine. Don't let fossil fuel and nuclear power industries fool you into thinking they're high-tech, for they all generate heat to turn water into steam that turns turbines just like the parabolic solar trough. But I digress. Now that we've pumped the water to the desert, it goes in huge man-made reservoirs. The hot sun evaporates the water into the atmosphere and increases the instances of rain. The rain gets soaked up by the mycelium-filled biochar and starts growing the bamboo and hemp, which can be made into more biochar spreading until the desert is green. And as I stated in the other episode, biochar can sequester carbon for hundreds to thousands of years. But let's say we want to make sure it rains. Use the man-made reservoirs to not only evaporate water, but to grow algae. You can even use human wastewater to feed the algae, and in the process, the algae clean the water. As the algae blooms, it releases dimethyl sulfide into the atmosphere, which is used in cloud seeding as a nucleation point. Nucleation in this instance being a thing to which water vapor can cling to or condense until it forms a drop of water heavy enough to fall as rain. Now that you have water in the atmosphere and a place for the water to nucleate, we're going to make it rain. Once the algae bloom has reached its zenith in a particular reservoir, you take a sample to receive the next batch of water. At this point, there are a few possibilities for the algae. Number one, hydrothermal liquefaction. Hydrothermal liquefaction employs a process that subjects harvested wet algae to high temperatures and pressure. Again, I'm seeing parabolic solar troughs coming to the rescue. Products of hydrothermal liquefaction include crude oil, which can be refined into aviation fuel, gasoline, or diesel fuel. The process converts between 50 and 70% of the algae's, oops, I went British there for a minute, algae's carbon into fuel. Other outputs include clean water, fuel gas, and nutrients such as nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. This type of fuel is carbon neutral. Numbers 2, 3, and 4, you need to first let the water completely evaporate, which does kill the algae. Okay, number 2, hexane. Now that the algae is dehydrated, a solvent such as hexane is used to extract energy-rich compounds like triglycerides from the dried material. 
then the extracted compounds can be processed into fuel using standard industrial procedures. For example, the extracted triglycerides are reacted with methanol to create biodiesel via transesterification. Say that three times fast. The unique composition of fatty acids of each species of algae influences the quality of the resulting biodiesel and thus must be taken into account when selecting algal species. This type of fuel is carbon neutral. Number three. Come on, take a guess. Come on. That's right. You can make fucking biochar. Now, biochar made from algae doesn't sequester as much carbon as biochar made from bamboo or hemp. However, it does sequester a good amount and is more nutrient-dense than biochar made from bamboo and hemp, so it will help the other two grow bigger, better, faster. So it's a win-win and keep-on-winning solution. As I said in the other episode, biochar is not just carbon-neutral, it's carbon-negative. Number four, send it to Davy Jones' locker. To sequester the maximum amount of carbon, you could, once it's dried and dead, rehydrate the algae and pump it back out to sea, where it will sink to the bottom, where it and all of its carbon will stay for hundreds of years. So the next time someone tells you there's no hope and we should just give up, remember my motto. Think, learn, or get out of the way.